You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. What I'm here, this is your boy Omega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest. You know, he's a manga creator over here. He has a dope team, and we're gonna learn about how he got hooked up with him. I mean, he's a writer, creator. The book is from Dark Horse called Oni Ronin. I mean, introduce this amazing uh, creator with a fire story. We're about to get into it. The one, uh, the only Mr. Mac. Well, please tell me I got the last name right. <laughs> you did. You got it exactly right, actually. That's very good. Yeah, there we go. Well, I'll tell you how I made this easy for you. Th- th- my th- guy, my 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 government name, my birth certificate name is Donald Dundas McElroy Flavel. And I don't normally tell people that because I think it's a weird ass name. Also, I don't think you're supposed to tell the whole internet your name all the time. But Somebody once said to me, that is the most Harry Potter name I ever heard outside of Hogwarts. And I don't do that with, you know, like Mac. I can say Mac Flavelle. Like, I figured that one out. I didn't drop the whole Harry Potter, you know, thing. So, so we're working together for that. Well, you know what, though? You're still dropping some magic, though, because that's what this book is. So you, you definitely conjured up some wizardry, if you will. Yeah. All right. If you see that happen, don't you worry. I ain't going nowhere. I'm here. I I, I like to shit on Spectrum. Therefore, they, they call it that. Okay. It's a blip. But I ain't going anywhere. Thanos ain't affecting me. You know? <laughs> He's trying. That's him trying every fucking snap that he can, but he can't get rid of Mega. All right? It's not inevitable. Mega is more than inevitable. <laughs> so with that, Matt, tell us a bit about yourself, man. Where you OG from? I'm from Canada. You are, huh? <laughs> ah, from the the wild white north where we drink moose blood in the winter to stay warm. Oh damn! Uh, You're bathing it too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I grew up in Canada and now I live outside of Vancouver, Canada, in a swamp. I live on three acres of swamp out in the weird suburbs, and I don't have time for too much except the wife and the children and the nerdery. And for me, the nerdery includes comics. It always has. I've just I've been that way for a long time. Let me ask you though, you say you've been away for a long time. I always love to ask this question because everybody's so different. What was the first thing that you ever, ever fell in love with that you knew this is my shit? Sleepwalker. Sleepwalker. Nobody remembers Sleepwalker. Sleepwalker was a Marvel comic. Who was the green guy? Yeah. The the blue guy. Oh, shit. You know what? I know you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was the era of, oh, there you go. Yep. That's I was that had him, Terra Inc., you know, New Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, the name? It was like Marvel Cyborg, Doom, him, Darkhawk, Darkhawker, and somebody else. They, like, tried to bring up this, like, new crew or something, you know, and I don't think any of that really worked. Deathlock, that was the, that was the like, black cyborg guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but old school, but they really tried to bring him back. I mean, back, right? He was, yeah. like, 70s style. Yeah, Deathlock is used a lot, you know, believe it or not. They started reusing Darkhawk not too long ago. And Sleepwalker makes his appearances here and there, but it's like nothing stable. Yeah, nothing stable, though. I I remember the comic store in the town I grew up was called Comics Unlimited. 
and I would like get my parents take it down there and everything go with my friends. And the thing that I remember is buying the damn cards even more than the comics. The the, the Marvel cards, the series one, the series I didn't have series one, but I had like series two and series three, and then they get fancy with the like, yeah. I, the, yeah, I, I go. I know what you're talking about. I got yo, listen, I have a box under my desk right now that I have to sort all types of fucking cards. Tons of those marbles. Tons. One of the few sets I collected was they did a small one about Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man, and it was oh, just yeah. hidden cards. That shit was cool, man. Yeah, I got early. that one. I got the Todd McFarlane Spidey. I got the Mark Teixeira Ghost Rider one. Uh, and the Teixeira Wolverine. Okay, I know I do better than most because I got the whole Spider-Man and everything, but I'm not going to step up. You got more than I got. No, I, li- I-, I was addicted to it. That was a 90s thing for sure. <laughs> Worked on me. Yeah, it still works on me. When I see them, <laughs> I'm like, fuck, I want these. Hold on. I, you know, can we get a binder again? <laughs> look like an old man. And look at this, how we used to look at this cool stuff from the 90s. <laughs> so, Dude, my nephew, my nephew collects the soccer cards now, like real life ones. But him and his friend own a binder together. And every time they see each other, they bring it and they trade. And I freaked out. I was like, but who owns it? And like, who buys more? It was so interesting to me that none of those things yeah. bother him. He's like, no, no, we just own it together. Like, we're friends. Why is it so hard for you to understand? Nah, bro. It was gangster back in the day. You would have to beat the shit out of somebody sometime on a bad trade. Are you trying to jerk me? <laughs> it, folks, 90s is tough for, 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 for car singing. <laughs> <laughs> 1989 in Abbotsford at the comic shop. Hard times, let me tell you. Oh, shit, too far, too far. So were you alone in that fandom or, you know, for a while? Or did you find kind of a, a, a clique of a fellow geeks to, to roll with? I had two nerds. I had a small group of friends, and two of them, you know, we got together and we drew. We were those kids that, like, before you were a stupid teenager who figured out that you liked drinking for fun and you got together with your friends, you would like, we would draw comics. I mean, I remember. Creative. Oh, shit. Exactly. We would, we had to, 100%. And man, I have this other significant moment. My best friend when I was a kid, like, like since I was two, and I, I saw him this summer. I'm 42 years old. I literally, he flew out to visit me from Montreal this summer. Like, we are still good friends. He tattooed me and shit, you know? But uh, when we were kids, would spend all our time together and do these creative things and play a lot of video games. And the two things that stick out for me was one, we made our own Mario Kart level. That was like, we started drawing our own Mario. Just, this is Super Nintendo era. You're not making your own levels, but we would like draw on paper our own level. Hey. That and trying to design Street Fighter 3. We were all so sick of Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter 2 Turbo Champion Super Edition. And so yeah. we would design Street Fighter 3 characters. And while we were doing that, my friend, who, who's now a professional artist, like he makes video game art for a living, he had said to me, your drawings suck. You got to draw these muscles. I think they're called lats, the things yeah. that go from here to here. Yeah. Like, you got to make big lats. That's how you make superheroes. And I taught that to my kid like two weeks ago, and I had the weirdest moment of being like, oh, my God, I've been doing this since I was like six. Yeah, what's up, Malvez? What's popping? What's popping? Thanks for tuning in. Tuning in. Really. Hello, Malvez. Yeah, man. So when you were thinking about the lats, you could have just thought about Goldberg. I was going to look at cartoon character back in the day. It's true. It's true. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So, all right. So you would draw, you say, with your friends. When was the point in time then in your in your youth, was it, that you got serious about it? Or, or was it something you forgot about? Like, 
what happened? What was that journey like when you decided to get creative and jump back in? Okay, so I've always wanted to make comics. Always, always. I did not, like, I went to a a grade 12 writing school where I went to a lot of different high schools. I wasn't that good at being consistent about this. And I ended up in a school specifically for writing or like an art school. And you could choose your major. And I chose writing. The only thing I liked. I always liked that shit so much. I always liked telling stories, all those things. I'm not alone in this. Like, you know, so many people share this world. And God, okay, here's here's the true version of the story. I wasn't sure I was going to tell you the true version. I used to do something dirty on the internet. It wasn't huh. porn and it wasn't gambling. It was NFTs. Hey. Oh, oh my God! You know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I heard about that, and wow, has that market changed recently? <laughs> you know what? The economics of that market have changed dramatically. They've changed before, and they may change again. Like it's a changey thing. But here's what happened. We we decided to make an NFT project about demon samurai. That was this thing in my head. I am a little bit intrigued by Japanese culture. And I was like, oh my God, this would be so cool. And this like world started to come together in my head. And then I went and contacted my old neighbor who I'd known for like 15 years. He used to live beside us. He had like no possessions except his computer and his tomato plants. He was the most monk-like person I've ever met. <laughs> It was wild. He drove like a flat back 1970s Dodger, had tomato plants and a computer to make incredible art. Well, the tomatoes any good though. Eh, You know what? (laughs) I still have one. I still have one of his plants. We moved away. We all left that building that we lived in together for 15 years and I still got his plant. And yeah, tomatoes delicious. So we're like, okay, okay, we're going to make these Demon Samurai NFTs. That's cool. And then we did that. And then you make these NFTs and people say that they care about the utility. They're like, oh, what is the utility of this NFT? And you're like, well, that depends on what you mean. But we're like, let's do something really cool. First of all, let's acknowledge that we are pasty pale motherfuckers. And us sailing around the world being like, oh, we're going to do things about Japanese history. Like, we should trade carefully here. You know, there are other Mm -hmm. people who could tell this story that maybe are better deserving to tell the story. So let's, let's tread carefully. But then we're like, what we love here is the Japanese history. That's so incredible. And so... When we made this NFT project, we said, if you own one of these NFTs, you can come to any of our classes. We made flower arranging classes. We made daily meditation. We had Japanese history classes from a Cornell University professor who came and offered his courses. If you own one of our NFTs, eight fucking parts over eight weeks. We had like three month haiku lesson with a like world's massive haiku expert. And so we were like, you know, like we think this time, this piece is so interesting. So let's dig in. And let's do that intelligently and respectfully. And so we fucking did. And then along the way, the NFT community was like, what else are you going to do? You know, we want more. This is really cool, but don't stop. And so we're like, well, what if we made a comic? And it was like, yeah, that'd be fucking incredible. You should totally make a comic. So now here's the interesting (laughs) thing. At the time, I had an agent. You know, like you hear about Hollywood agents. I had an agent. Yeah, uh, because NFTs were quite a thing, and I was pretty good at NFTs, to be honest. And so the agents wanted to sign me, and so they did. And then they were like, "Who do you want to talk to?" You know, like we can get to anybody. You can work with anybody. Oh my god, we're we're the agent, so let's do crazy shit for you. Yeah, and I was <laughs> like, uh I, I gave them two names in particular. One was Ken Nordine, and nobody knows who Ken Nordine is. And Ken Nordine is dead, but I talked to Ken Nordine's son, who's also seven years old. 
I would call Ken Nordine one of the like three great creative minds of the last hundred years. And he made word poetry, word jazz. He made word jazz. His most famous album is called Colors. It's 36 songs, every song, or like 23 songs or something. Every song is about a different color. It's beautiful, strange, weird. But the yeah. other person I called, besides Ken Nordine, was a guy named, I said, I would like to talk to a guy named Stan Sakai. And they were like, why would you want to do that? And I was like, well, have you heard of Yosagi Ojimbo? Like, this is sort of one of the great achievements of modern writing. This is, this is unbelievable. And they're like, okay. So we called Stan Sakai's team, and we told them about Oni Ronin, and they got excited. They were just starting a little imprint. And so they made... Oh, we're doing that. They made the original... Ooh, can I get this on here? There it is. Oh, you can't really see it. But there is the original Oni Ronin comic published by Dogu Press. Yeah. And then... And, and I got to meet Stan. I got to go to Comic-Con and sit at a booth and sign copies of that sitting beside Stan. I was like, one of hey, these things. Well, how was that experience like to meet such a, a legendary, a master in the game, man? You know they say, don't meet your heroes? Yeah. I generally agree with that. Unless your hero is Stan Sakai. And then you should totally fucking meet your hero because he's awesome. <laughs> he's super <laughs> cool. He's like, I don't know, man. He, he's amazing. I went and did a panel at Comic-Con this year with him. And it was fucking cool because I got to take my kids with me down to San Diego. I'd been to Comic-Con the year before, and I'd come back, and I'd been like, you know, it was amazing. It was incredible. The only thing I did wrong was not bring you guys because it was nuts. You'll blow your mind. So this year, next year, we went down there. We stayed in a shitty motel on the outskirts of San Diego. We had some, like, adventures and these kinds of things. But I was on a panel with Stan. Now, I'll be honest, there was, like, two, 300 people in the room, and every single one of them there was there for Stan, not me. That was literally, it was undoubtedly, and it's still fucking ruled. I got to say one thing, but I got to be on a panel with Stan, with my kids who don't understand why that's so cool, with my kids who were there, and it was fucking awesome. You know what else we did at that, that Comic-Con? Mm-hmm. Again, they won't understand, but we went and had lunch with Jim Lee, because I happen to know Jim yeah. Lee. And so we went and had sushi lunch with Jim Lee, and they had a great time, and they argued about Batman and all this shit, and I'm like, someday you may appreciate the interesting things your dad does for you. But today, you're just like, oh, man, I wish the sushi was better. Hey, when they're older, yeah, yeah. I, I scared Jim Lee at New York Comic Con. We were in an after party, and I spotted that he was in the room. Nobody was talking to him. I never met him before. But he was wearing an L.A. Dodgers hat. I was like, what? All right. So I said, so my boy, watch this. So I, just, I just stepped up to Jim Lee, and, and, I, and I sidestepped him. I was like, yo, dude. You're wearing the wrong hat in my city. <laughs> and he's like, excuse me? I was like, I'm just playing, but I'm a big fan. And we, he started laughing. He goes, oh, shit, that's, fu- that's funny. No one ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> then we were chit-chatting. He was really cool about it. Took a picture of me and everything. Really cool dude, man. Great energy. Great energy. Yeah. Right? Strong agree. So, uh, so, 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 God, I tell the long version of these stories. So. A storyteller. So this is what, this is what you do. So. There had been this time where I had been working at this company and I made a friend named Manabu. And he was this like older than me Japanese guy. And he would come, he was making video games and we were sort of working on video games. So we started talking and we decided we got along. And so we would go get drunk downtown and then go back to my office and work on Harry Potter Lego. We had the castle, we had Hogwarts. Because my boss, Sam, loved that shit. We had all the crazy Lego. Did they call you by your first name? Is that where they were inspired? (laughs) (laughs) 
But we go back to the office, and I was, I mean, I'm, I'm like big and clumsy to start with, and I was drunk, and I wasn't that good at the Lego, but the, but the company was amazing, right? We'd have these amazing nights, and Manabu was like, he gave me my Japanese drunk name, Ditake, I believe, which means big hand. Oh, really? uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Hilarious. But we just, we, just, we just became good friends through that. And so later on, when we were doing this Oni Ronin project, and I was like, fuck, we should make a comic. I called Manabu, who was back in Japan. He lived in L.A. at the time. We were in Vancouver, but he was back in Japan. And I called him. And I'm like, hey, man, I'd really like to tell a story about Oni Ronin. And we brought Manabu in from the beginning of the project. From the beginning, we're like, again, like, shitty white people should not just go do, like, idiotically stomping on other cultures without treading thoughtfully. So, like, Manabu, can we bring you on as, like, a cultural consultant? Can you tell us to mm-hmm. not say some really stupid shit that I would otherwise say in public or like just help us be good about this, you know? And so he did. And then I called him. I'm like, hey, man, thank you for the help of the project. We want to go to the next level. We want to make a fucking comic. But here's the thing. We don't think we should write the comic in detail. We think that if you're going to tell a historically accurate story about Japanese history, then Japanese people should tell that story. If I had a deep expertise, right, if I had a profound expertise, I'd be like, no, no, I'm qualified to write this story. But I don't. I'm not a mm-hmm. profound expert on this. And so we're like, Manabu, can you, can you help us find the team to write this comic? Because we're going to fucking write it in Japanese, and we're going to draw it in Japan, and then we'll translate it back to English and publish it. And oh. then we did some authentic shit. And so that's actually what we did. I have the Japanese in first. And if you yeah. want to process, don't do what I did. It was a terrible fucking idea. I understand... Wait, wait. We have Scott asking you a question before we go on. Because I'm going to show it off. And yeah, you're going to be able to get this. Because well, can I find this book in Forbidden Planet, NYC? You can put it up for pre-order right now from Dark Horse. And I'll show you that in a little bit, guys. I'm going to give you a tease of the beauty of this book. Don't you worry. Hey, yeah, you don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. Because it, it just created so much more chaos and confusion. But the process is really fun and cool. I, like... I developed the rules of the Oniverse. What is true? What is not true? What can happen? What can not happen? And then we called the team and we're like, hey, here's the constructs. Can you breathe life into this? And, you know, they came along and they killed it. Koei was amazing. We loved Hatsubi's art. I've never met them. But we did this really interesting thing with Manabu as the sort of bridge of cultures. And we created this beautiful work as sort of a result of it. And it fucking rules. So let me ask, since you have placed him kind of to help you, right, f- find these people, what was that process like overall for you? I mean, what, what, was it difficult? Again, you know, language barrier and, you know, wh- were you looking for something in particular to stand out or did he know exactly where to point you? No, he didn't know exactly where to point us. And it took months <laughs> to find. <laughs> not a, he had never done this before. I didn't call him because he was a comic expert. I called him because he's my homeboy, yeah. Manabu, you know? Everybody's learning how to navigate comic scene. All right, but. Dude, quick side note. For our one year, I think it's for the one year anniversary of Oni Ronin. Because like I said, we like to do this shit that is like authentic. We were like, hey, anybody who owns one of these NFTs, you can submit your favorite expression and we will get that calligraphied in old-style Japanese by Manabu's mother. Manabu's mother, oh, my God. Okay, if you look at the NFTs, dude. Yeah. Lots of NFTs are like shitty pictures of animals meant to steal money from people. That is the design of lots of those things. Yeah. That is not what we were doing. We went, and in the name of this historical accuracy, we learned about these, what are they called, jisei? And they are samurai death comb. And part of living well as a samurai was, in theory, dying well. And in order to die well, a thing that you might do 
is write your jise. And this is this is your like big insight. This is it. This is your one death poem. And some people would write them 20 years before they died. They like figured it out and they just stuck with that. Some people rewrote theirs on their last day. But either way, there was this like living, it wasn't a will, but this like sort of this legacy, which was your haiku. So we went through history and we found, I think, six, 22 of those real death haiku. And then we hired a Japanese voice actor to read them in Japanese. Oh, when you look at the NFT, you can hit play and do this the most, you know, that like baritone Japanese thing? Yeah. And we got that shit in there. And the person who wrote and it's written in smoke in the background of the po- of every NFT, but you can listen to it. The person who wrote it was Manabu's mom. She wrote out all of the poems and calligraphy style for us. And then one year later, we gave everybody a poster of calligraphy style, whatever they want. They were we were like, submit whatever text you want. We will get it made by this like classic writing style. Turn it into an NFT. Give it to you. Now, why the <laughs> hell was I going off about this? Oh, I think it's just that the, wow. So the, the, the single biggest, most important thing was that anything that happens in our story in real life has to be historically accurate. If there's a name, if there's a place, if there's a mention of a battle, and there's all of those things, they must be real. Uh, the names of our characters are not real. But, you know, like the historical setting of the characters. The are real. setting itself yeah. is whatever. Everything is interpreted as best as we possibly could, real history. And then you mean you're gonna make me geek out? So I'm gonna be reading a battle. Hold on, Google. <laughs> I told you, man, I did not write every word of this. I had to Google shit myself. Like this was a learning <laughs> journey for me as well to go through this. And then the thing is that these are demon samurai. When when the when the Ronin die, when the samurai die and they go into the Oni realm, then the fucking wheels come off. Then I don't care how crazy or how weird it gets. At that point, you can have like Samurais riding T-Rexes if you want. But in reality, we keep it exactly historically right. And in the death, we go mad. And that main construct underlines a lot of it. And, and, and folks, here it is. A little tease for you guys right here. Oni Ronan is the cover to the... I mean, and look look at how homie look in the middle, son. Where by? What? So... What was it? Did you have any say in the in the artistic side of it? You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I was telling you about the process. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. So we we contacted Manabu and we're like, hey, we'd like to work with somebody. And then the first thing he did, and I believe this is how somebody else could repeat this. Like if somebody else wanted to do this, I think this step matters. But he found a comic agent. There is somebody who represents artists and represents writers, and he found one of them, and they were the person. You know when you're like, oh, do they know how to make comics? That was this guy. This was the guy who then had a team of writers and a team of, not even a team, but like a suite of writers and a suite of artists and was like, oh, who do you want to work with? And so we reviewed a bunch of different stuff from different writers and artists. The writing, to be honest, not easy to evaluate. How the hell am I going to read your Japanese text? I don't speak Japanese, unfortunately. And so through that process, we found the right team. They gave us some sample work. We were like, yes, more of that, please. And then we got to the really weird, hard, fun, interactive writing part. I mean, but look at that cover fire. And let's get in. Just, just a couple of pages I'm going to show you first. But look at that. Look at that. So even though it's manga, we, we're reading it normal, right? We, we're not we're like American style. Or, or, or are you making copies in traditional manga style? 
I think we put in the effort to switch to American style because remember, we have the in Japanese in manga style and we actually okay. did a bunch of Photoshop effort to invert it. All right. But, well, that must have been fun. Man, I'm telling you, like we did like the translation thing, like this flip thing. There's a bunch of things that it's like, oh, there, there could be better ways that we could have done more efficient <laughs> ways. And you know what? That's super fun because like, I can't wait to get back on the horse. I can't wait to write the next one. You know, it was, it was, it, I, I've had a really privileged life in the sense that I've got to create lots of things and that's really fun. It's incredibly fun. But I and I, I don't like pride as an emotion for the most part. Like, you know, there be demons, watch out for that shit. But this thing makes me proud. This thing it brings something out where I'm like, ah, look what this shit is suck trip. But it could tell your passion for it. I mean, and, and it, why not feel prideful? It ain't bad, it's all right. You, you created something, it's it's a beautiful looking book, and not hearing more coming from, from the man himself, how uh, it's historic. And I'm I, I like history too, so shit. You're winning me over like a mother right now. <laughs> I'm about to call my shop. I'm going to have to add this to my pool. I wow. strongly encourage it. And what, what are these guys doing here? I mean, what, is it just a drunken night with the boys? Watch what's next. A great question. Watch what's next. Da, da, da. There's the guy in charge. He's laughing. He's sipping. His wife isn't laughing. Well, she did. Well, yeah, well, most of these Japanese joints, women always look so sad. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Watch. Here comes Sotobe. And then Hello. I hope we got the last scene in this preview because that all leads to something. I'm going to have to bust out the real comma if it comes down to it. Okay. So, all right. These guys are all crying. They're going through some feelings here. And he's talking about this is my final command. Oh, snap. No hold on. And then the history. These are real people, real names, real families. Oh, word, check that out. I, I love the art. It looks so animated, if you will. Yeah. Well done. I want to see this as a, as a cartoon now. <laughs> oh, man. Look at that. Drops it. Anybody going on here? Oh, snap. Yo, that's cold, son. And there he is. And. Oh. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yo, but you see this, folks, right here? Formian holding his own gut, yo. I mean, what happened? is he checking if the macaroni and cheese went down, you know? Yeah. Yo, and then somebody, I mean, obviously not him. Somebody chopped his head off. Do you know about that bit of this? Oh, there it is. Oh. Ho, 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 ho. The fuck out of here. One person escapes. One person escapes because he is a coward. And this is the beginning of our story. Oh, so you know what? Let me show it off right now because we're talking about this. This is cowardly Sarobe. Yo, got to self. So he was supposed to have taken the shot with everybody else, but he, he, he was a punk and didn't. And on top of that, it looks like, but I mean, if it was a, a coward to, to not drink it, I, I don't think he'd chop off. Uh-oh, I think we have a mystery here. <laughs> he, he was given the paper, so they knew he would, they knew they wanted him to survive, but they chose the runner to survive. It's huh. always a runner. Interesting. Check that out. 
I love this website so much. Of all the websites I've seen lately, just for like, you know, it's one page scrollable. This is not some fancy whatever, but it's just beautiful. And there you go. For you to follow Sorabi on his journey right here. He learns about bravery, sacrifice, and redemption. And find himself along the way. Ooh. Oh, yo, I need this on a t-shirt like right now. We should make only running t-shirts. Yo, this right here, that's a t-shirt. Crazy. Look at that. I mean, with the lettering, without the lettering, I mean, we just put the lettering, put the homie like over here somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo. You know what? I will make t-shirts. After the after this, I'm gonna get a t-shirt made and I'll send you one. Oh man, thank you, but I mean look at this. How could you not? That needs to be a T. There you go. It's all right. So talk about that. All right. So you got to meet Stan. And, and I know for a fact Stan been working with you know Dark Horse for, for a long time. You know, we've seen a lot of you know, Usagi lately. So how did you guys get him? Was it through Stan or, or, or yeah. what? So Stan created his own imprint called Dogu. Okay. And Dogu is now the home of Usagi and Dogu could find other people to work with. And I'm their first version of that. So they mm. published our shit and then they, in their brilliance, went to Dark Horse and got us the deal. And they, like, they're making their own arrangements about Usagi, but I hitched my carriage to the right horse and, you know, I, I had the privilege of following the trails that they're blazing. I mean, shit, to, to, yeah, to be in that camp with Stan and have this type of storytelling, holy snap. Yeah, I mean, and folks, for you guys that are, in fact, interested, that were asking about the date, the drop date will be. You guys got to wait. It's November 29th, all right? So, yeah, you could put those pre-orders in at your local shop. Tell them to add this to your pool list immediately. You need this in your life, all right? I, I mean, think you might. Yeah, it's 120 pages, folks. You know, and we just gave you just, just a small taste of, of a wonderful, engaging story by a dope team. And again, under the banner of, with, with the Sakai, a legend, Japanese history, you're going to, you know, this is going to be the longest read of your life. I'm probably sure they're going to put it down so many times. Like, wait a minute, is that real? You, know, you got to so check. You got to check. Yep. I mean, so. But this guy's not real. He's part of it. The, the, the surroundings are, but the cowardly they probably won what? There was one probably, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But we made this one up. Right, but, but, ooh, this is dope. I'm digging it. But, I mean, I love this. Look at that, yo. You know why I love Stan so much as a kid? I was a weird kid. And so I'm going to tell you my two favorite IP stories of all time. I believe they're both true. The first is about Sir Alex McGinnis. Is that his name? Alex Guinness. Sir Alex Guinness. Yeah. yeah. The guy who played Obi-Wan. Yeah. That guy yeah. made more money off of Star Wars than anybody but George Lucas, apparently. And the way that he did that is because in the 70s, when nobody had ever made a movie toy, he said, I want my likeness right. So every toy that got sold of Obi-Wan, he got a penny. And he was Ooh. the only person who ever did that. And that didn't make any sense. Like, nobody had ever made movie toys before Star Wars. And so you being like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll take a smaller salary to give me a pay, whatever the number was on yeah. the cut of every toy was fucking genius. And that guy died rich because he did the toy thing. So I heard that story. People like forward thinkers, but it's like Jackie Chan. Once he came to the American market, he goes, I'll take a, a smaller cut, but I want a piece of the box office. 
And yeah. what he smashed it when he came here back in the day, you know? I used to go to Taiwan as a kid, and so I would see Chinese movies, and I would see Jackie Chan movies before anybody here. And that, I know. I worked with, with, with a Chinese boss at the time, and, and then I was showing you, oh, I'm going to go check this out. He goes, I, used, I saw that shit last year. I'm like, what do you mean you saw it last year? He goes, in my country. <laughs> Dude, the first one, Rumble in the Bronx, the first one for the Western market, and we lost our minds. It was like, who is this madman, and how and what is he doing? Older than that, Kung Fu Theater, man. I grew up on him then, you know? Drunken master. <laughs> Here's the thing. The other great story of... And, like, we don't need to get into all of it, but that blockchain NFT thing, there's some really big ideas around owning shit. That is an underlying concept there. And, like, we don't need to get into arguing about whether it's matter or No, there's no argument. I do believe that. I do believe that there, there is a greater good for the blockchain. But, again, you know, what, what are, are good ethics? You know, behind them, and you know, and something secure, so people are not losing their ass. You know, I mean, okay. again, NFTs lost ninety five percent of value. Ninety five. I mean, motherfuckers took hits, son. This is not even the first time. The whole probably not the last time. But here's the thing: Alex Guinness understood if that's his name. Obi Wan understood ownership, and the other fucking person that was a story that like locked in my head as a child was Stan. Because I fucking love Ninja Turtles. I really, really love Ninja Turtles. And I had lots of the toys. Not as much as my rich friend who had all the toys. But, you know, like, was deep in that world. And in that world, Usagi was this fucking incredible character. I always loved Usagi. And only later did I learn that he was not a turtle. He was not a mutant like the rest of them. Like, this was something else. And I eventually learned that Stan just knew Eastman Laird and... They liked him, and he had always insisted on keeping the rights to his character. And so he got it put in Ninja Turtles, and then he got this toy on the shelves of Walmart without ever selling shit while in complete control of his stuff. And I swear I was like 14 when I heard that story, but I never lost it. That fucking stuck with me. And so that's why literally 20 years later, 25 years later, when the agents were like, who do you want to talk to? I wasn't like, like, you know, Sam Keith is an amazing artist I love. I could have said Sam Keith. I love the Max. That would have been crazy, right? But this one guy always stood out in my mind as like, not just a brilliant storyteller, incredible artist, but operating on a different level. Yeah, a pioneer, a pioneer of, as an independent creator, you know, of, you know, creator rights and creator ownership. So that's, you know, good on him, it, you know. Again, that's always been the fight, hasn't it? It has. And that guy, I just read a book called Life and Death Are Wearing Me Out. And it's this amazing, hilarious book about China in loosely the second half of the 20th century. And it's the story of this guy who starts out as a rich land owning farmer. Then he keeps getting reincarnated as like a pig and a dog and a monkey and all these things. And it's so I, I find the last 20, the last 50 years, or maybe the last seven years of 20th century China to be fucking incredible. Historically, there's like, it's so big and interesting and strange. But in the story, there is the farmer, the one independent farmer who never quits, who never gives up to the communist uh, regime. He's got a shitty little piece of land. Everybody hates him. They make fun of him, but he never fucking quits carving his own little piece of land. He's Stan Sakai. Stan Sakai never gave up on chopping his own land. And then 
made bank out of that, like did good, you know, got, I just, I just love it. I love, I love the guy taking control of his own destiny and his own creative work. And what we have as a result of that is like a 40 year odyssey, a saga from one creator, always in control. I love this shit. I love it. We, we as readers have profited so much from that man's line in the sand. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I understand sometimes changing the guard of a character, but not on this level. When something is as personal as Usagi is to stand, I mean, yo, to have that one creator, we don't get that in the American market. That definitely mostly happens in the manga market where a creation lives and dies with the creator. So it's great to see, you know, from an American perspective that, you know, the, the, the great legend is, is doing what he's doing. Yeah, and like to be clear, I want all my favorite writers to take a crack at Batman, or I want them to take a crack at an obscure Marvel character from the seventies, Deathlock, that they just keep bringing back. Like I love that too, right? But that's not what Yusagi Ojumbo is. This is this is clearly one man's. I don't even mind other writers want to take a crack at Yusagi. Like you know, maybe Stan hire somebody to do a cool like alt tale or side story or something. That's all fun and cool. But the canon of Yusagi. As prescribed in the mind of Stan. And I'll be honest, when my kids first started with fan fiction, it drove me fucking nuts. I'd be like, Harmony did not fucking kiss Harry. That didn't happen. J.K. Rowling didn't say so. It's not true. And my kid would be like, but it's fun. And that just ended me. I'm like, no, no, it's not in canon. It's not real. George Lucas didn't say it. It's done. (laughs) Exactly. And so like, I, though it was very hard for me, I grew to appreciate this modern approach to fiction. These like that 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 fan fiction category, which is you know tens of millions of creators, is really neat, and I appreciate it. It's different than Stan being Stan about Stan shit forever. And I like living in a world where both of the things are possible. I want to read your like weird Star Wars soft porn fan fiction, but I also want the master of narrative. To start at the beginning and get to the end and drag me along through every thread. Well, agreed, agreed, agreed. So, what's the plan for the owning role? See, this is a cheap trade paperback. I mean, what's the plan? Is this, is it going to be a franchise thing? How many volumes we, we get? What's the deal here? What's the plan, Mac? The plan grows and changes constantly. The plan <laughs> currently. So, there's a thing that I am deeply compelled by, which is Roblox. Roblox is a game that kids play. Yeah, I know. my daughter has been playing that since she was a young buck. And then when they tried to destroy the game, she was devastated. And I, I know there's this whole thing. And then it came back. And then there she goes. And she, she's met so many friends through that community. And there's toys. There's everything. I know, bro. Roblox is, I've been on that journey too. I can't so, play it, but you know, I'm Yeah, I'm either. I'm terrible. But. I think a lot of people, especially if you don't have young kids, don't understand the scale of Roblox and how big of a cultural phenomenon that is. I met some people recently who are five young guys who live together in a mansion outside of Tampa, Florida. And they live in the swamp and they only leave their house to go to Walmart, buy their like Doritos and Mountain Dew or whatever. And then they go back to their little swamp mansion and they make their little Roblox games. Nobody's heard of them and nobody cares. And by my count, there's about 10 million children a month who play their title. Holy it's shit. Extraordinary. It's crazy. Yeah, they were at that, 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 the, the, the currency, the currency, and oh, yeah, the Robux, that, that's money. I mean, what? I mean, that's some serious 
business. It's, it's nutty. And here's the thing is that Roblox has said we would like 17 plus content. Like we understand that our, our, our demographic is aging out. You get to a certain age and there's nothing left on Roblox to entertain you. And so they're very excited about 17 plus comment, content. So I'm really interested in Roblox games, but bringing Oni Ronin to the six-year-olds doesn't make sense. Like we have these badass demon NFTs, which you haven't shown and reasonable, but the original art for Oni Ronin is oh, yeah, they're, they're on the website. They would be at onironin.io. Oni I got you, kiddo. Because I actually pregame. You got anything you want me to show? I'm gonna show it. Let's go. I will. So we'll show this, and then you'll see that the manga style is very different. It's manga. Okay, I scroll down here. Oh my god, I love when you're running. Ooh. That. Oh, you like the clouds, right? Yeah, man. I'm about to be. Look at that guy. That is an only running. Shit. Chill. Keep going. You'll find more. Ooh, yo, bro, these are fucking t-shirts, bro. Dude, once an Oni Ronin, check this out. Once a Ronin up there, a Oni Ronin, like you saw that crazy demon thing. So when they die, oh yeah, look at these things. See the death bombs I talked about in the background there? Yeah. Look at how cool those fucking Oni Ronin are. So once you die, you become Oni Ronin. All right. When you are Oni Ronin, which is what these demon monsters are like you see, they can decide to escape their, their trials of hell by committing seppuku. They cut their stomach, like the guy on the logo that you like. Damn, word. And then one of two things happens. Either they find out that they are not of noble heart, and they become one of the fallen. That shadowy thing that you saw, the orange flame thing, that is a fallen ronin. That was a corrupt ronin. Farther up, farther up. That one, yeah. That guy. Yeah, no, damn, this is crazy. I love this fucking design. Yo. But... <laughs> If Oni Ronin tries to escape, it can try the trial of ascension. It can cut itself. And we did this with the NFTs. One in a thousand, no, one in a hundred has got a golden Ronin inside it. So scroll down even farther, you'll see the golden Ronin. Oh, look at oh, that. Oh, we got Kitsune. You'll learn about those in the comic. Oh, that yeah. not a badass nine-tailed fox? you never seen nothing like that. Oh. And there is the golden Ronin. So there's 88 of those hidden inside the collection. But you have to destroy your Ronin. You have to destroy your NFT to get it. And we'll probably give you back a Fallen or maybe a Gold. It's really fun. And it creates for an incredible like, surface area for myth-telling and world-building and all the fun that we love in our story adventures. It, it looks like it's worth more than shit, that's for sure. <laughs> Look at it. Awesome. I love it. The designs are just... And it's the horns that get me or the detail on them joints, bro. Dude, we, we also, you know what we did? This is cool. So, like I said, if you do the Trial of Ascension, you might get a Golden Ronin or you might get a Fallen. And that Fallen was the cool, like, ashen design you saw. Those yeah. come in 10 colors. And there's, like, literally 10 different colors. Of them. And we said to anybody, if you collect 10 of them, you can work with the artist to make a custom Ronin. We will design one of these specially with you. And so eight different people did that. And there are eight totally unique Ronin that are crazy. Like one of them was like, I have twins that I love and I'm yeah. an American who served in Kuwait. I love my country and I love my twins. So make me an American flag duality Ronin. And so we did that. And we did like, we've got this incredible crow face Ronin. You know what I can show you? Okay. Not many people have seen this. Let's see if I can show you this. Let's turn off the blur. Hold on. Settings. 
virtual background. None. Check this out. Yusagi Ojumbo. Oh, snap. Look yeah. at this. Yo. Isn't that cool? That looks sick. Because Dogu published us, and so I was like, hey, man, like, out of profound respect for everything you guys have ever accomplished, you're publishing our comic. Can we make a rabbit? And I'll tell you something. There is a coupon, and lots of people don't care about this because they hate NFTs. There's a coupon to be the only person who ever gets that image, doesn't exist anywhere right now, hidden in one of the comics. Oh, what? Yeah, somebody is literally like written on paper, but somebody will find it and we will give them the only copy of that image that has ever existed. That's a lot of websites. So, folks, right there at the bottom, you guys want to check that out too. Only Ronin.io. I mean, homie's killing it, not just that. I mean, this is all serious right here. You got the only Ronin I mean, and then on, on X, you got the Oni Ronin saga. I mean, for real, my Oni Ronin all over the place, baby, as it should be, because it is a, a dope fire book. I mean, definitely plans. You got a lot of fun stuff. So, con season is closing. You know, it, you know, it's coming so close soon. We only got a couple of shows left. Are you going to be making any appearances anywhere where we could, you know, get see some Oni Ronin, get some signatures about what's popping? I was thinking that I should go to New York in December. That's what I got. I was at Comic-Con in July, whenever whenever that was. And apparently Comic-Con is in December this year, and hmm. New York is a magical city. No, but it's in October. I'm going oh, come on. Well, maybe I'll see you there. Maybe I'm going in October. When in, Where was I supposed to go in December? I got to figure that out. Well, maybe they have a big Apple come, but that's a small thing. You see, because I got my press already ready to, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Reasonably good chance I will be in New York in October then. You should go, brother. There's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of good things happening. And I already have gotten privy to some materials that they'll be probably showcasing over there. Can't say nothing. But, oh, my God, let me tell you, it's going to be an entertaining fall season. (laughs) (laughs) I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Yeah, yeah. All right, brother. So, again, folks, one, one more time. Please, please show some love and support for the homie here at OniRonin.io, OniRoninSaga at X, and, of course, the website, the OniRoninComic.com. The book is dropping November 29th. Please visit your LCS and get that baby on your pull list. 120 pages of manga goodness, historical richness that's going to make you Google and everything, it's going to be, listen, it's going to take you probably five days to read this because you're going to be so going into rapid. You're learning. Yeah. You're going to learn sign while having a good time. It's not just educational. Come on. Don't, don't make it sound like homework, man. It's fun, too. You know, it's violent. You got some dope stories. He's holding his guts in his London, like, third page. It's pretty badass. Yeah, there we go. That's what we want to hear. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. You know what it is. Please follow everything Compensated. Visit commoncrusaders.com. We got all the links. Follow our extended family at undercovercape.com. And all my people like outside the panel, the Fan of Crusade, Old Times Comic Book Show, and a whole lot more. All right. Thank you again for tuning in. I still love my man. Thank Thank you for listening to the Commentators Podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCrusaders.com. And also, make sure to download the Commentators app on the Google Play Store today.